As a business leader, you know attracting top talent is just the beginning. Real growth happens when you lead yourself and others well. Creating a company culture that attracts, nurtures, and retains the best of all things. We'll teach you how to make an impact through a holistic leadership approach. Reframing success in leadership. This is the Talent Magnet Institute podcast with your host, Mike Sipple Jr. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us for today's episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. I get the pleasure to revisit with Jim Mason, CEO of Beach Acres Parenting Center. Jim and I recently, with his VP of Applied Science, recently had a discussion helping parents and leaders think about the back-to-school dynamics. And Jim and I are partnering up today to have a great discussion from his perspectives as CEO and as leader in our community. And as you'll hear throughout Humble Servant, to those that he served. So Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks very much. I'm very glad to be here, Mike. Appreciate the invitation. So Jim, for our listening audience, could you share with us and just in perspective of the audience that we have is from over 80 countries that listen in and tune in weekly. Could you share with our audience what Beach Acres Parenting Center is all about and what you focus on and who you serve? Great. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Hello, everybody. Beach Acres Parenting Center actually was founded as an orphanage in 1849. Over a hundred-year period, we realized that kids are better off being raised by their parents, not by an institution. So we have transformed from an institution about 40 years ago into a parenting center, 21st century parenting center, basically with a mission of helping families and communities raise capable, caring, contributing children. So in doing so, we have three different ways we take that to the community. And what we look at is where are families? Where do we find parents with their kids? What institutions are most inclined to serve them? Because we really want to take a more systemic approach at helping families instead of just giving parents tips and clues and how to deal with managing behavior, we really want to get at the root causes of the issues that kids are facing today. And as anybody knows, life today is much more challenging and stressful than the world that any of us grew up in. Anybody that's over 25 years old realizes we're living in a whole new world. And what kids are growing up, you just look what what's happened in the last six months uh, in our country and around the world, you realize the stress among children is higher than ever. And it's also higher than ever because the stress among parents and the teachers and all the rest of us is high. And we pass that on down to our kids. Well, Beach Acres was actually, as a staff person told me today, Beach Acres Parenting Center was created for this season because our whole approach is helping build the capability of parents and other dedicated adults and those who support parents to help kids identify what their natural strengths are focus on building on their strengths instead of correcting their weaknesses and doing so with intentionality as a parent. What that means basically is making a shift as a parent from reacting to kids' problems, which most of us have done and we were raised fixing bad behavior and correcting mistakes and telling them what not to do. Our model called natural strength parenting is unique Honestly, I've never seen anything else like it in the world in terms of 
parenting models. And it starts with, uh, as I said, focusing on what do I want? What kind of goal and dream do I have for my child? Not what am I trying to fix that's broken. Secondly, it focuses on building on their natural strengths. And we use a particular model, the VIA character strengths, to identify the strengths of children and of the parents and use uh, tools to help parents build specifically on those strengths as a way of coping with today's problems instead of, again, reacting to them. You know, if the more of us who focus on what our natural gifts are and addressing challenges and stress that we have in our life, the better off we'll be. And the third component of natural strength parenting is called mindfulness. And you've heard a lot about that, but basically mindfulness is a simple idea of you must be present to win. You have to be there in the moment, not distracted, but intentionally focusing on a conversation, listening to kids, and really hearing from them what their feelings are and what their stresses are and what they're going through at school or what have you or not going to school and helping by focusing on the strengths, teaching kids to be resilient during these times of stress. So that's our model, and we've developed it over the years. We've gotten great results in it in the programs that we've done, and it's now evidence-based, meaning the data support the fact that it's effective as a parenting tool, and that's basically our approach. Now, where do we do that? As I said, we focus on where kids and parents are. So we have three basic channels, if you will. And this is where our customer base comes in. So we're in schools. We're about in about 28 schools in Southwest Ohio. And we are expanding nationally with some of the things we've developed online through our experience with the COVID virus. But we work with an entire school community. So one of our customers is schools, school principals, school teachers, school superintendents. What are their needs as a school district? in a building. And so we partner with them as customers. And then we partner with the teachers in the schools, the parents who are going to that school and the kids in the school. So that uh, focusing on an individual school as a customer or unit of service is very important to us. And we've developed some innovative programs and called Beyond the Classroom and the Character Effect. These are on our website. You can look them up. So and as I say, we're in about 28 schools around the region. So the second customer group we serve is in healthcare, and that's pediatricians' offices. And we take our natural strength parenting model into about 15 pediatric offices in Southwest Ohio. You may know that pediatricians are the number one most trusted resource that parents have. When parents have a question about anything, they go to their pediatrician for advice. Well, the friends that we have who are pediatricians, 70 to five, 75% of them say, I'm a pediatrician, I'm not a parenting expert. Thank God you're here. And the pediatricians are so happy to have us in their office because when they find an emotional or behavioral problem with a child, they send them down the hall to us. Well, I should say in COVID times, they don't send them down the hall because we're not allowed in the offices. They send them to us we serve them virtually and we're doing that program. It's been very successful virtually. And so we serve thousands of parents every year in that program. And the third place that we are is in the child welfare system. So these are abused and neglected kids. Most people think about it as a foster care system, but our approach is a little bit different. We do have about 110 foster homes, but we're trying to keep parents together with their kids in their own homes 
So we intervene very early when there's a sign of potential neglect or abuse. We work with parents to strengthen their skills using our natural strength parenting model to keep them together. And if they're not able to stay with the birth parents, they, we place them with grandparents or other relatives or kin to keep them as close to the family as possible. So that's basically the work we do. We have data to support keeping families together or having them adopted if they're in foster care, building better relationships with kids and their parents and whatever we're doing in the school program, keeping kids from getting kicked out of school, helping to manage their behavior, get better grades, get along better with their teachers and their peers, social emotional learning skills. And so those are the things that we evaluate our success on. Mike, I think you can see we've got a pretty diverse customer group. We're B2B with the schools, the pediatricians, and the child welfare system, and we're business to to consumer, direct to parents. We're serving 18,000 or so parents and kids and teachers a year, so we have that one-to-one relationship with customers and then us to an institution or a school or what have you, so our whole customer base is a little diverse, and we have to be creative in how we meet the needs of all those people, but we do it all with this natural strength parenting model that is adaptable across those different customer groups. Thank you so much, Jim. That's, there's two components of this. One, our goal is to help leaders that tune in and that participate and that join the talent magnet community to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, right? So we want to help leaders take away something from an episode like this that says, you know what, I'm a parent, I'm a grandparent, I'm an aunt or an uncle or a stepfather or stepmother. I want to go and learn more from this organization that I learned about, right? And I wonder how natural strengths parenting could come into my community or, you know, I'm an owner of a pediatrics practice and I would like to, so that's one component of this. The other component is learning from leaders like yourself. And this month's theme is around courageous conversations and active listening, which as you've just referenced, having multiple streams of customers, plus having a large employment base, you have to, your organization has to have the skill of being able to have courageous conversations and be experts in active listening. So I'd love to tune a little deeper in there as it relates to your own experience as CEO over the last nine months or so, six months or so, what you have learned about active listening to your employees during a time of extreme tension, change, and could say life's turmoil with COVID happening, impacting everyone as it has? Yeah, that's a great, great question. And first of all, we were moving along quite nicely in February and our, with our fiscal year 21 plan, things were clicking along. As I said earlier, we're in 28 different schools and 15 pediatric offices. And all of a sudden on March 17th, we were not in any schools and we weren't in any pediatric offices. We were immediately, as soon as that happened over that one week, we shut down and at home. I'm very happy to say that one of our core things that we focus on is being adaptive and to uh, adjust timely to the circumstances that we're faced with. And there are two core components to that, as far as I can see as a CEO that I've experienced. One is 
real clarity on who we are, what we do well, and what the needs of our customers are. Because the better, the clearer we are about the needs of our customers and what we do well, we can figure out the channel or the method of meeting those services. And so because we know we do natural strength parenting really well, we know that that's a tool that we can apply in this situation. So, okay, so we're all of a sudden we're out of the schools and we knew that we had a lot of kids out there and parents counting on us for counseling or therapy or support groups or whatever it might be. And so as individual people, we wanted to listen to them to see what their needs were and how we could continue to meet them. So for example, how did we reach out in in many cases for some of the kids in inner city schools? Those kids did not have food or resources or other things. So reaching out and literally visiting people, social distancing, and finding out what those needs were face-to-face with individual families was something that was very important. The other thing that was very important right away was our IT department turned us virtually virtual in one week's time. Uh, We got a software system that everybody was literally up and on in a week. Within seven days, we were able to provide counseling and all those things virtually. Then it was a matter of matching people up and making sure the customers got access to those and so on in terms of meeting the needs of the individual families. But in terms of the schools and the pediatricians as customers, it was really sitting down with each and every school. Although we were not in the building, we knew the needs, the social emotional needs of the kids and parents would be still paramount in their minds. And so we met with every single school principal and talked about the uniquenesses of of one school to another and developed a plan for how we were going to outreach creatively using technology to the families that we had been serving. And we obviously had a significant dip in the first 30 or 45 days. But by the first of the May, we were serving about 80% of the people that had been served in February and were able to quickly adapt by getting the technology quickly to the staff and by having the staff sit down with the principals in the schools and the pediatricians and talking to them about the needs of, that they had in their offices and then one-to-one with the parents and, and so on. And so the other thing that we did was that I think is a, I've experienced to be essential as a CEO is soon after we found ourselves working remotely, we created a set of principles for making decisions, strategic decisions about what we were going to do. And there's about a half a dozen of them, starting with whatever decisions we make in this short, we we thought about short term and long term. So we were thinking about the next 60 days up until June, because we didn't know where things were going to go, and then longer term. So we said our principles are going to be, must be aligned with the mission, vision, and strategy, must be focused on doing things now that can be meet immediate needs, but can also contribute long term effort on action and innovation, maintaining quality of care for quality and continuity of care for clients, safety for clients and safety for staff, and long-term financial viability. But also we had something in there about the financial 
safety of the staff that we have at Beach Acres. So we made a commitment to keeping staff whole as much as we possibly could on the financial side. So those six principles guided every decision that we made and continue to guide those decisions as we go into the second and third phase of COVID. So I would say having the core set of principles based on our values and mission is point number one. And then listening to the customer at a deep level is point number two. And and really, again, being clear about what we're good at doing and how we can adapt what we're good at doing to the new reality. And we have turned literally, and I just was talking to a group of staff today who were sharing how amazed they were at how quickly we went virtually and how able they were made to keep the quality and continuity of care with the people they were serving, which was one of our six principles. So that's been really gratifying to see six months in, five months into it. That's wonderful. The, the listening to the staff and focusing on their financial safety, basically saying, we're going to help you because you've helped us. We care for you, right? That's a big message you sent as much as we care for our customer. And then did you do employee focus groups to hear out what needs were taking place early in the pandemic? Yeah, we had a series of ongoing conversations. What the virtual enabled us to do was stay in constant contact with staff. And we had a COVID task force that it was involved in, you know, adapting policies and practices for PPE protocols and work-life balance issues when those things came up. So there was an opportunity for staff to dial in and talk about those issues and how to manage those. And we have, with our natural strength parenting, we twice a week, we have those mindful strength sessions that anybody can come to. And those just serve to provide basic support using our core tools that we use because the natural strength parenting is not just a tool that we use with our parents, but we have to live it ourselves. So we would, two times a week, anybody could stop in. There were convenient times that they can dial in and go and just have a conversation about what's on their mind and get that mutual support. And also, we do mindful moments. You know, we take an opportunity to breathe and to calm ourselves down and use some meditative practices and focusing on strengths and intentionality of we all have the tendency to to a danger it's a threat right so we have the fight flight response and so how do we kind of undial our amygdala from running away or fighting or getting upset and being anxious to calm ourselves and through breathing and other things to be able to stop ourselves and then relax and then focus and then be able to make decisions. And that's kind of a continuous process that we do day in and day out. Yeah. For the rest of our life, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just shared something I think we need to take pause on. The you use the same model for natural strengths parenting in the character and leadership building of your own team members, right? Yeah. Because I think in Jim, correct me if I'm wrong, but who we are as a human is how we show up at home and how we show up at work, right? Yeah. So you're taking that same investment that you look at through the customer lens and saying, I want to invest in my people that same way. 
I learned a long time. My first job as a supervisor, I went into a meeting the first day with the team. We actually was in a residential center with emotionally disturbed kids. I went into the building. The kids are totally in chaos. And they're running away and fighting and just tempting suicide. It was just a total, total chaos and very unhealthy environment. So I went into a staff meeting and thought, well, we need to do something about this. And what did I find in the staff meeting? Same behavior, total chaos. And the kids are never going to do any better than what the adults are. And that's true in organizations too. And I have always believed, however we are acting at the senior level of the organization is going to cascade throughout the whole entire agency exactly as it does in a family. So it's the same thing. That's why we focus so much on you have to be it, you have to live it in order to teach it. Sometimes as parents, we sort of get into that, do as I say, not as I do. And the kids see right through that. The most important thing a parent has going for them is the authenticity of whom they are, not trying to be somebody else and not try to fake your kids out and tell them to do something and you're doing something else. That applies at the workplace too. So what you're saying is when my children are, my children are very inquisitive, love to challenge, love to think critically, come up with debates that you're like, I mean, everybody's going to lose to that debate. And then my wife looks at me and goes, hmm, I wonder where they get that from. (laughs) Exactly. They're early consultants. They're early consultants. That's right. That's right. They get all the good stuff and all the bad stuff too, right? I mean, we got to try to be be mindful about the stuff we want them to pick up. It'll get us a little bit more focused. So that's a good point. And celebrate the strengths, right? I've heard often yeah. that as we thin, I think this goes the same thing with our employees, right? That you want to be very careful when you identify strengths that need polishing versus squelching those strengths and discouraging them to be used. Yeah. Right? And again, I appreciate the, there is an analogy, tremendous analogy between being the CEO of an organization, being the CEO of a family. It's basically the same thing because it is, how do I get people to do things that I want them to do that are going to be good for them, but they may not be willing to do them or interested in doing them in some ways. That's part of what leadership is. But more, more than that, it's helping people to see what their natural gifts are and show them the path to how they can express and share those natural gifts and have find joy in doing that and also make a contribution in the world that they live in. And that's really what the natural strength parenting is all about. And, and it's what I think what we try to do in the organization, just as an update on where we are now, the second pandemic to hit us when George Floyd was murdered was really a shock to our bow because a very high percentage of people that we serve are African-American. We have a high percentage of African-American staff, and they were devastated by what happened. And it really put a wave through the organization like nothing we've ever had before in terms of the grief and and everything because this re-emergence of consciousness about racism and systemic racism in the community and across 400 years. And so we took a hard, long, hard look at uh, what we are doing, how well we were serving African-American families, and how good of an employer we have been to our African-American staff. And 
his part in our response to that. Again, in terms of being adaptive, we adapted once to COVID. We had to adapt twice to racial unrest and so forth and inequities. We put together a plan for Beach Acres responding to doing a better job meeting the needs of the families we serve, but also advocating in the systems that the families are in and having those systems. We're in schools, we're in pediatric offices, and we're in child welfare. So we have created a strategy, just got a a significant board approval to invest resources in an anti-racism strategy, which will take years to implement. But it's all about ensuring that African-American kids and their parents have a place that is not only responsive to their unique needs that are there just because of the color of their skin, not because of anything they did, but it's just the way people, white people, we majority look at people because of the color of their skin and the inequities that they, and discrimination they've experienced because of that. How do we be a re- adapt and be a resource for those parents and families in those schools, in those pediatric offices, in the child welfare system, where there's, as you well know, tremendous disproportionality in the kids who get put in foster homes tremendous disproportionality in the percentage of kids who get expelled from school and in the healthcare system as well. So we have are developing our DEI skills and capabilities while we are looking at how we can build the internal capability of beach acres and also be a resource to the systems we're in and helping them to be more responsive. And you can see the schools are really trying to do it right now. I saw something on the news today about in Cincinnati Public Schools, how they're working to be able to have kids have more voice in the schools. And we we want to be a resource for those schools and healthcare practices and child welfare that want to do a better job with that. Jim, as we talk about active listening and you referenced the grief that was felt inside of your staff and their families, How did that grief show up? And then how did you create a safe place for that grief to be actively listened to and allow people to share what was going on in their heart and in their minds in a workplace environment? How did you do that? Yeah, great question. We had an all-staff meeting scheduled uh, eight days after George Floyd's murder, so June 2nd, at that meeting. We sort of set up, I set up where we were in recognizing what had happened and opened the floor for people to share their feelings, responses, and just made an open space for it in the meeting with 150 people on the line. We have a diversity, equity, and inclusion team at Beach Acres already formed, and One of the members of the team, an African-American therapist who works in a school, started by sharing his personal story of growing up and and, uh, the lessons that his dad taught him about what to do and what not to do in the community and around police and so on. And he had taught his children the same lesson and that the stress of every day, wondering when your kids walk into school or what's happening a safe environment. And it's that time it centers around what was happening with the police. But it's also other kinds of noticing 
when you walk into a store and and how people look at you or the service that you get or the expectations that people may have that are just because of the color of my skin, I am looked at differently. And it's just a, a tremendous burden of stress. And that all came out in one African-American staff person after another, probably 15 or 20 people spoke up and white staff spoke up as well. And it was a very cathartic experience. And all this, we all walked out of there with a lot of heavy hearts for what was going on. So what do we do about it? We have our DEI team then who started meeting directly with African-American staff and kind of peeling back some of the what that was like both in their lives, but also what it's like working at Beach Acres. We did a survey and of the staff on Beach Acres policies and practices and HR and everything. And there were some areas that were very disappointing when we saw the results in terms of how people felt, what the opportunities were and that type of thing. And so it was a kind of a wake-up call for us as an employer and we said, well, look, we've got the concerns of the kids and families we're serving, as witnessed by the communities that George Floyd and, and others are in, in Cincinnati, you know, the application of it to Cincinnati. And so we said, we have to focus on the well-being of the kids and families we're serving. We also need to focus on the well-being of the staff. And we need to fix some things in terms of our policies and practices with staff to make sure that this is a place where African-Americans want to come and work and thrive as an organization. So we put together over the next six weeks a plan and it's a, basically the goal is to design and implement a bold anti-racism strategy for those we serve, the systems affecting them and within Beach Acres itself. And we have put pen to paper on that plan and looking at each of those three target groups, customer groups, the people we serve, the staff who work at Beach Acres, and the systems affecting the people we serve. So we've developed strategies and objectives for how to take on each one of those areas. And we've had the board has been very involved in it. We have a board subcommittee on diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's got five or six people on it, and they were involved in helping create the plan. So it was co-created with staff, the families, and board members. It was unanimously approved yesterday by our board, and we're going to start working on it. Uh, we started working on implementing today and integrating with the rest of the stuff we already had on our plates from COVID. <laughs> Uh, experience. So it's been quite a, quite a year. You, all the way back to your first question, I'm finally getting around up to today. It's been uh, quite a journey uh, all year long. But from a leadership perspective, Mike, honestly, it's been a great opportunity for me as the CEO to lean into this. And I have to credit our the people who come here to work are passionate about the mission. A, very blessed to have people who come here for all the right reasons. And the second thing is they are attracted to this natural strength parenting model and the mission of it. Because most organizations like ours, you diagnose and treat and you fix a broken person and you get reimbursed for it. And our whole approach is not fixing broken people, it's seeing the light in everyone and helping people to see the light in themselves and parents see the light in their kids and teachers see the light in the kids and so on and so forth. And that's our whole approach and that attracts people. 
And so you got the right people coming to it, and then you have the practices and the values. Then you listen to them, and then you do stuff that they're inputting on, and it works, and it's fun. Jim, as you look at these two experiences coming together with the with COVID and then with the racial unrest, that's really, in many cases, highlighting the racial inequalities that our nation has had for 400 years. Were there surprises? Were there areas where you felt as the CEO, I thought we were doing better? And how did you work through that own disappointment if there were any? And then how did you take that emotionally and work through that as the CEO? Because I know a lot of executives are having that experiences that because I I didn't ask the courageous conversation or I didn't set a culture tone where people feel like they can share what they deal with inside of our own company. Did you have any of those moments that you had to take a step back and be mindful and take some deep breaths to say, okay, we can work on this. I didn't realize this was going on or any of those dynamics. Yeah, 100%. In fact, with the COVID, it wasn't really the COVID adaptation felt very comfortable and natural because we knew who we are. We knew we were good at doing. We could get the telehealth online and we could keep in. And we did, I think, a very good job of adapting to that crisis. When the racial inequity thing came up and we had that cathartic all staff meeting, and I was very moved because I had never heard that many African Americans in one place at the same time share the pain that they are in over their lifetimes. And it had a deep emotional effect on many of us in in the meeting at that time, on the the call at that time. So that was an emotional awareness that even had me at that point thinking, boy, you know, I haven't noticed this after all these years I've been doing this. And how did I miss that pain that people who are actually working here are feeling about what's happening in their community, in their life, because of the color of their skin. So I walked out of that meeting feeling like a real awareness that I had not had, and it was extremely humbling. Three weeks later, when we got the results of the survey back, it was a a huge shock because we've we've received top workplaces Every year we've applied for it for eight years, including distinction in a couple of areas. And I'm like, well, this is great. We're a top workplace and fun place to work. Everybody's happy. And when I saw those marks that the African-American staff gave us for responding to their needs, for having opportunities for advancement, for solving problems, for seeing leadership at the top, for diversity of in the the senior staff and the board, I, w- I was very personally humbled and actually felt pretty crappy about myself, to be honest with you. Actually, that took me on my own personal journey. Because when you look at stuff like this, and this is true of anything, whether you're looking at a huge problem like racism or whether you're just looking at changing a business model or in de- designing a new product, Everything happens at four several different levels. It happens at your organizational level, right, for your culture and all that kind of stuff. We talk about that all the time. But also, it starts at the individual level. So, you know, so it's an intrapersonal thing. And then it's interpersonal between two people. And then you get to the agency level. And then you get to the outside customer. 
So it requires, and this is what I was saying earlier, we have to have integrity between how we are with each other and how we are outside. And it really was a comeuppance for me to realize I was not, I didn't have integrity around this issue myself. So I went back and I reflected on, well, let's think about how you were raised and what are some of, what's some of my own implicit bias that I've been living with my whole life. And, you know, if you're human, you have biases. The only way we survive is to live in the skin that we're in. And we live through the lens that we see. And of course, we expect everybody else has that same lens. And we don't have that same lens. We think there's something wrong with them. And so you know, I went back and reflected on what my lens was and I, how I came about it. And, you know, I grew up in the 50s and 60s in a home where my dad was rather racist. The N-word was a common word in my house. And there was a lot of fear and, and anger just because of the color of skin of the people my dad worked with. But on the other hand, my mom was a devout Catholic, a loving person. God is love and love is God. And she saw the good in everybody. And it was kind of a little bit of a schizophrenic thing to grow up in because you have two different voices. But, uh, and they had a great 60-year marriage. But I naturally gravitated to my mom, but I had all those tapes in my head from my dad too. And so it was a recognition of how those were showing up. Even things that I wasn't aware of that were just unconscious ways of thinking. And so... Actually, literally yesterday, I shared this with the staff in the overall meeting and acknowledged just what I shared with you in terms of how the impact of those two experiences, the one at the all staff meeting and then seeing those surveys, what it had on me as a human being and therefore a leader, if I'm going to act with integrity, I need to come clean with myself on that and be able to work through whatever that meant. And that takes courage, Jim. You know, I would say that I wish that everyone listening to this and everyone following your organization and our brand were taking those actions. And that's where we can only hope and encourage that leaders are more courageous, right? You've got to be open and you have to care enough to do what you've done and to reflect and accept it's not everyone else's problems. It's how can we as individuals address our own space. I was on a call just a few weeks ago leading a conversation on racial divide and the two speakers were like, you know, it starts with each one of us. I was moderating the panel and we need to focus on ourselves and our own hearts first, right? And check ourselves and be open and honest and dig into those underlying stories that we tell ourselves because of how we were raised or family members we were around or environments we lived in and what those experiences are and how those show up in my everyday life. And I know, you know, having worked with you for an extended period of time, how much you care for your people. So I can only imagine the pause that it caused you and the love that you have for your people that you serve both as customers and as team members, and you taking the pause and being vulnerable about the pause that you took to say, you know, I need to check my own storylines. I'm sure, I mean, not everyone in every organization can jump right to that, right? We're all in our own journeys, but it is a part about being a courageous leader and being willing 
to listen and to ask the questions of ourselves and of others. Yeah, and that I appreciate that. And I think that your comment about we are all where we are. And the when I shared the story yesterday, I wanted to be clear with people that that very thing, we are where we are. And I'm sharing the story as an invitation to each person to do uh, your own reflection on the source of your thought processes and, and that type of thing. To your point in an organization, we are fortunate that we have this natural strength parenting approach because what I did yesterday was just aligned with that whole approach. And I was living in front of people what we have all signed up for with the mission and the vision and the whole approach that we have. And then it's, you know, just like we do with the parents, you send out an invitation for people to lean in. And we have this kind of a a mantra, if you will, of uh, work to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And it's just like when you're exercising, you're in a new routine or something like that. Work hard enough to so that when you're finished, the muscles are sore, you know that you're actually making progress. Right. And pain is a game. So that's the sort of approach we try to take. Wherever a person is, you know, wherever one is on the continuum, just lean into a little bit of discomfort. Because you know what, from a, a majority perspective, and when the country was created and it was like all men are created equal, and given certain unalienable, all people are unalienable rights. Well, that started with white men. And those were the ones for whom that was intended. And look at how long it took for women to get the vote and the civil rights movement, now voting rights, and there's still so much work to be done. Structurally built, baked into the culture and the society, and it has to be white people who lean into this to really make a difference. This is not a black people problem. Starts with the white people problem and it gets to and all of us. But unless we're able to lean in and have some discomfort, it's not going anywhere. Well, Jim, thank you for this discussion. I know just how impactful I took several notes here, and I know just how impactful this conversation will have based on knowing our audience, the kind of content that we look for to be encouraged and inspired, and the action steps. I mean, you've laid out some incredible action steps. You've shown us what it looks like to, if you're truly going to serve your customer well, or truly going to serve your employees well, all of us need to be looking at these conversations and responding proactively and listening, right? We talk so often about communications, and I think that many organizations and leaders, they work on communicating, not listening right? Telling, not listening. And it sounds like you've done a great job and I'm sure we'll continue to do even better of opening up these lines of communications with your people and with the organizations you serve. We will, in the show notes, provide a link to Natural Strengths Parenting to Beach Acres Parenting Center so you can learn more about your programs. And I encourage you, no matter where you are in the world, in the country of the United States, look at this as a true best practice. I have studied, many of you that have followed us for a long time know that I'm involved in an organization called All Pro Dads, and I work with school districts all across the country, no superintendents all across the country, 
no parents that are volunteering with multiple schools and, and many cities. And this is a very proactive program that I wish so many more organizations would adopt. So I encourage you listening to learn more about BJ Acres Parenting Center, about their programming, about their offerings. And in a world like today, reaching out to them and saying, hey, we need something in our district that sounds a lot like, or we need something in our community that sounds a lot like what you're offering. There's opportunity here because we live in a technology-enabled world, and those barriers we can really throw away uh, that would have kept us from making that contact. Yeah, Mike, can I just appreciate that, the connection you made there, and as you're talking about your, your national audience and beyond. We do have a program, The Character Effect, uh, which is available anywhere, and we are beginning to market it anywhere because it is all virtual. Yes. It's a social-emotional learning program that starts with, school, with the teachers themselves, and it helps the teachers. It introduces the teachers to natural strength parenting and the, the strengths, the mindfulness, and all the components of this, and it also teaches teachers how to take care of themselves because 75% of teachers are experiencing severe stress and they're, they're leaving their careers very early on and there's a workforce crisis in education. So this, uh, we, we now are, we've expanded into Texas. We've got a customer in Texas. We've got dozens of leads and interests from communities around the country and we just opened this up a few months ago as a resource so we can do the online training now we've been you know from in the on time we're getting very good reviews for the the quality online training for teachers with it so they can actually you might put in your notes too they can just go straight to the character effect.org the character effect.org and they can learn all about what i just said yeah and jim we speak a lot to our audience about as an organizational leader, we need to look at the schools in our community and how can we serve them? Because our people have children or grandchildren or nieces and nephews in those schools. And as a social responsibility, we need to help raise up the next generation as most effectively as we can. And I'm honored to say that so many organizations that listen to this podcast have called and said, hey, we're now volunteering X amount of hours or X amount of dollars to launch this program and the charactereffect.org could be a great solution to help you, the leader, implement into your community and how impactful that is both for your volunteerism, your community impact, which we know a lot of organizations are so busy, they're actually, and you can't get to volunteer opportunities. So there's a lot of organizations clamoring for supporting the community. And we can't go out and use our hands like we once did because of social distancing. And this is a great program to be able to turn on virtually. You thank you for bringing that up. And to the audience, thank you for leading well into thinking about the implications of succeeding and helping our communities succeed in relationships, work, community, and life. So, Jim, thank you again for joining us and all that you and your team at Beach Acres Parenting Center does. It's an honor to work with you, to serve you in the capacities that we've been enabled to do. And 
I really appreciate your friendship and your relationship. Well, Mike, thanks for your uh, role in getting this out to everybody and all the other podcasts and the great work you do disseminating really the work of highlighting talent and, and helping organizations really attract and retain a great workforce that's really whole people and just doing it for the right thing, right reason. So I really appreciate that. Excellent. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Talent Magnet Institute podcast. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an episode and help spread the word by leaving a review. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is powered by Centennial, a talent strategy and executive search firm, and the Talent Magnet Institute. You can engage with us at Talent Magnet I on Twitter or Talent Magnet Institute on LinkedIn and Facebook. Please communicate by using hashtag Talent Magnet. Find us in your favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and leave a review, as well as share with a colleague. You can also listen at talentmagnetpodcast.com. Our podcast studio is based in greater Cincinnati, Ohio. We are supported by our listeners, clients, and partners from all over the world. The Talent Magnet Institute podcast is made possible by a great team that includes Janelle Spence and Christine Lewis of Centennial, Josh Chappelle and Adam Smith of Soundpress, produced by Chris Madine of New Fidelity Studios, and Audra Casino and Megan Doherty of One Stone Creative. Music written by DJ Corbett and Chris Madine. And myself, your host, Mike Zippel Jr. Thank you for joining us on the journey of developing leaders to succeed in relationships, work, community, and life, reframing success in leadership.